This is episode 29 with founder of Future Theory and Future Tribe, Jermaine Mueller. This is Pencil Leadership. My name is Chris Anderson. And finally realizing my master's degree only taught me so much, I decided to start on a journey to learn more about what it truly means to be a pencil leader and how we can leave a positive mark on people and the world around us. So each week, I'm going to bring you a topic or a guest that will help guide us on our way to grow and leave a positive mark wherever we go. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Guys, we have a great guest today. Um, You guys are in for a treat. Um, We have Jermaine Mueller all the way from down under uh, from Australia, guys. So Jermaine Mueller, he's the founder of Future Theory. And now this is a, a, and apologies if I say it wrong, a Canberra, a Canberra-based marketing and design company, but he's also the founder of Future Tribe. Now, this is a company focused on building a community of optimistic go-getters to impact lives around the world. So he's fueled um, to meet new people and hear their stories because of his experiences growing up and attending eight different schools in four different countries. So he has a, a worldview that's a lot larger than a lot of people um, and really wants them to make an impact around the globe. So Jermaine, welcome to the show. Welcome to Pencil Leadership. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's uh, really exciting to, to be on. And um, yeah, it's really exciting to be live streaming at the same time as well. I've yeah. never done that before. For sure. Yeah. And so how bad did I butcher where you're from? <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's our fault. Um, so <laughs> It's it's pronounced Canberra. So if you're from Canberra, Canberra you pronounce it Canberra. Um, okay. so, so I've noticed. I listen to um, a lot of podcasts and um, even the word Melbourne. So you would have heard of Melbourne, yeah. or, uh-huh. or you know, as the Americans call it, Melbourne, or yeah. something along those lines. <laughs> yep. There's something about Australians. Okay. We spell names um, and then we pronounce them about half as long. So <laughs> That's awesome. it's Canberra. Canberra. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I wanted to make sure I clarified that, but yeah, Jermaine, I'd love to hear kind of. A little bit more of your backstory of what led up to you becoming this entrepreneur, this founder of these two two companies. Sure, Chris. Um, I mean, I don't don't know where to start, I guess, but um going all the way back, um, I was born in Sri Lanka, um, to a you know, awesome parents. Um, and you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot. My dad dad worked basically seven days a week to um to feed us uh, three kids. Um, we, we were all sort of uh, growing up, my siblings, um, and I are very close in age. So I'm the oldest, but, um, my sister's 18 months younger than me. And then the brother's 13 months younger. So my parents had a, had their hands really, really full, really, really quickly. (laughs) Um, so growing up, you know, we didn't have a whole lot. Um, but my parents, didn't like we never really felt that you you hear that a lot um of of people who sort of grew up and you look back and go we didn't have a whole lot um but we never realized it at the time because of sort of what the parents did um and I guess what my parents were able to do were was my my mum was very focused on making sure that we um focused on our education and really put in that effort on that front and she stayed at home she was a stay-at-home mum and my dad was um really hell-bent on that side of things as well, but then yeah. also um, going to work and, and you know, um, bringing home the bacon, so to speak. Mm. Um, and so that's sort of how we how we sort of grew up. And dad was working very, 
difficult job, working crazy hours. Um, he was in sort of the border protection um, in, in Sri Lanka. So that was a lot of, you know, going to containers and checking them. And like, it was just very sort of physical work. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, looking back, what my parents did was sort of instill that hardworking sort of nature in, in all of us. Um, but yeah, you know, so we grew up in Sri Lanka. Um, we, my, my family background is a little bit funny because my mom's Buddhist and my okay. dad's Catholic. Um, and that sort of marriage is, um, not rare, but hard to come by in Sri Lanka. Like I think about 2% of the population is Catholic. So, you know, just statistically, Mm -hmm. it's not really something that happens a whole lot. Um, so we grew up in a very, like a bilingual household. So Mm. my mother tongue, because my dad, my dad's side of the family, their mother tongue's English. So my mother tongue's English, but I also speak Sinhalese, which is what you speak oh, wow. in Sri Lanka. Okay. So I, I sort of very early on had this um, very interesting, I think, experience, I would say, in that yeah. um, like my my dad's side, um, his race is actually called a burger. Um, it's spelled a little bit different to, you know, the burger that yeah. you eat, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> sounds the same. It's got yeah. an H in there. Um, but that basically means that um, his bloodlines are, you know, there's some sort of European heritage huh. there um, because Sri Lanka was, you know, the Portuguese, the Dutch, the right. British mm-hmm. were col- had colonized Sri Lanka and were operating. So from, from the get go, now, now that I think back, um, I had this experience that was, I mean, the burgers are, you know, they're not, not welcome in Sri Lanka, but they're, they're different, right? So the okay. majority of the population are Sinhalese. Um, so they're, they're sort of the classic Sri Lankan that you sort of would think of. Um, and then the burgers, you could always tell because the burgers had slightly fair skin, so on and so forth. Hmm. Um, so growing up, I had that experience of, you know, I would speak English and Sinhalese. Um, majority of Sri Lankans speak Sinhalese. You know, people speak English, but English, you know, having English as a first language um, or being fluent in English would was sort of a weird thing it's it's mm. changing now as most of the world sort of gets englified i don't even know if that's <laughs> right, the word yeah. <laughs> you, you get what yeah, i mean i understand what you're saying yeah um so yeah early on we had that and then um eventually my dad left essentially what was a public service job and um we moved to bangladesh um okay. with for dad's work he he got a he got uh, working with um, uh, an international organization. Um, so he'd, he'd made a transition from sort of border protection into human resources. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he he got a similar sort of job around um, human resource management and IT modernization. Um, wow. At the time, this was sort of uh, late 90s, early 1000s. So that was when, I mean, computers were becoming like a thing. Um, mm-hmm. um, and... I don't, I don't, I only realize this now, but, you know, we're growing up, we, we had one computer maybe, but, you know, we were, it, it was the, the way I saw it was Sri Lanka and even Bangladesh. They were always sort of anywhere between 10 to 40 years behind. Um, okay. In, in just what you would experience. So I remember getting the, first, getting a first uh, color TV in <laughs> the early 2000s. Oh, um, wow. And as it turns out, you guys, you know, in, in the US and in Australia 
had a color, color TVs in the 90s yeah. um, or maybe even the 80s, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> so th- there was sort of those things that I didn't even, even realize. But um, Bangladesh was a really interesting experience. I mean, I was still fairly young, but again, my parents instilled in us that um, we we had to look sort of further than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would have celebrations for our birthdays, but a, but a huge part of our birthdays, for example, would be um, actually going to, um, my parents would organise um, beggars or poor people to come mm. and we would organise a meal for them. And wow. that was part of, just part of birthday celebration. Um, and, you know, I, I still laugh about it, but <laughs> when we were younger, our, our birthday presents used to be things like, maths exercise books or or a usb stick or floppy drives like it was it was so um just focused on i guess you know i I don't know instilling something in us i don't i i I don't know what you would call it but it was focused Mm. very much on instilling something um but yeah like the the biggest lesson i took out of bangladesh and something that i still remind myself every day is just the number of poor people that we witnessed and the just the young age of those poor people like um you go to the shops and it was customary at that time um and i don't know what it's like now i haven't visited um bangladesh recently but Mm. at that time instead of having shopping trolleys because the grounds are you know the floor is never um stable etc i mean it's sort of like going to going to like a fresh food market um like a fate you, you, yeah. you're not going to have a shopping trolley so yeah. what they did was people had baskets and they either carried them on their hands or carried them on their heads and so you got this i mean labor was so cheap that you could actually afford to pay someone to follow you with a <laughs> basket wow right um but it got insane because we were seeing kids like three four five years old like some kids could just start walking they were tiny and they were carrying these baskets because they, they had to earn an income. Um, or you turn up to the shops, you park your car, and they just swarm you because, one, mm. they want to carry your stuff, yep. and, two, they want to wash your car um, because they worked out, hey, this is another way to earn money. Yeah. And I remember hearing horrible stories. Like, I mean, I used to see kids, like five-year-olds with their ki- with their with their um siblings taking care of their siblings because their parents are off working um hearing about parents whose uh fingertips had started to rot because Mm. all they do day in day out was um like do like things like clean prawns and um or shrimp as you guys call it um and it was just you know they would not get breaks there was no there was no you know wash up afterwards so and so forth um that they would, it, it was just starting to, they were starting to get infected and sort of mm. eating away at, yeah. at their own body parts. Um, and the biggest thing that that sort of taught me was one, yes, you know, I can make a difference and I can sort of help people. Um, and that's something that I try and do and something that my parents try and do and our whole family try, tries to mm. do. But another thing that I took out of it, and this might come across as a little bit selfish, but was it was that. I was given like just the fact that my parents didn't have rotting fingers, which is such a, like it, you don't even, it's not even a thing, right? It's not right. even a problem in yeah. like when, those places. When yeah. You don't think time? about it. No. The, the, I mean, you would say that it's self-inflicted because you become gangrenous by trying to climb Mount Everest or something like that's <laughs> right. the only, yeah. only instance that you, 
see that and, and hear that. Um, but to me, like having that as sort of that, that became sort of the bar of at the point at which I say I have it tough because until then, I mean, mm. I have it, like it, it, everything's relative in this world. And yes. to me, that just, that is just the point of, point of what point from which all, all things are sort of calculated. Um, and that has just, just, you know, throughout my life has really changed how I think about things. Um, not just that things are, you know, so temporary really, because when you live in a first world country or a developed country, most problems can be fixed quite rapidly. Yeah. Um, either there's government services there or you can just throw money at it and you just, you know, you can yep. fix it. Um, so that was one big takeaway for me from Bangladesh. Um, and then, and it still sticks, sticks with me, you know, sort of helping, helping people who are less fortunate as well. Mm. Um, now, you know, I temper it with a degree of sort of realness and sort of just looking at, looking at what is possible. Like mm. you wouldn't see me, you know, close down the business, shut everything down and just go to a life of sort of feeding the poor. Yeah. Um, just because there's, there, there are bigger ways to serve people. There's sort of these bigger plans. I mean, I always think to someone like Bill Gates, um, mm. to me, he's one of the most important humans to ever live um, from a technical point of view mm. um, and of obviously from a philanthropic point of view. Um, I mean, you know, he gives away so much, but he also charges so much and makes so much money from his businesses. Right. Yeah, but there's a purpose behind that. You know, it's it's he's taking money from organisations who can afford it, mm-hmm. um, and he's and he's and he's he's not taking money. It's it's a wrong term to use. It's more that he is providing a service um, that they could use exactly and yeah. transacting value. Yep. Um, you know, he, he goes, this is or Microsoft says this is what we can provide you if you think there's value there pay us X amount. And obviously people think that there's value. I, I think I just yeah. saw that they had a, uh, their, their most recent quarter was still strong um, because oh, yeah. they can provide value. And then he takes all that money that he's made and gives away a majority of it um, mm. and looks at, you know, ways that he can impact and change the world. So yeah. he's not really out there. He, he never shut his, he didn't shut down Microsoft and say, let's just go feed the poor he right. almost did the opposite, right? Like he just outgrew Microsoft and said, okay, now it's time for me to go. Someone else take on and I'm just going to fund fund all my work using this huge entity. And that's how I sort of sort of think about it. Um, and and yeah. we'll touch on that with future the future tribe sure. sort of, um, idea as well. But um, going back to my life story, yeah. <laughs> um, we then actually moved back to Sri Lanka for a little while and the reason... For, I think, and I, and I never really addressed this with my parents and um, I don't really have a, a need to, but it'll be interesting to ask them next time I chat with them. Yeah. Um, I think they took us out of the country because of the war that was going on. Okay. Um, so Sri Lanka had a, about a 30-year war. Um, wow. Basically, it was a... It was uh, um, the Tamils in Sri Lanka. So there's the Sinhalese, the Tamils, and the Burgers are, you know, and then then there's sort of the Muslims, Muslim Sri Lankans. There's that's a very crude sort of way of giving you an idea of the different types of groups gotcha. in mm-hmm. Sri Lanka. Um, and the, the, the there's a majority Sinhalese or Sri Lankans, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the Tamil Sri Lankans, and the Tamils were trying to fight for their own 
basically they wanted to divide the island, the top half. Okay. They wanted to become like a, a Tamil nation um, <laughs> of their own. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, wow. it was just crazy for 30 years. Like Jeez. they, uh, it, it didn't, I should remember this, but it was sort of around 2010, I want to say, maybe a little bit after that, that, that it was sort of officially called like huh. the war ended, Wow! but it just was ongoing. Like, and, and this is like, it's, it's mind blowing to me that I, I sort of remembered this sort of thing and saw this sort of thing, but we drove past buses that had been blown up and you could see Jeez. the remnants of humans that were in that wow. bus just sort of on by, by the road. Um, wow you know, checkpoints were a completely normal thing. Like going into the city, you'd be pulled over. Like my, my dad always, um, we always had a, a van cause we had, there were the five of us. And then mm-hmm. we inevitably had at least two to three family members around. So we had to have a van. Yeah. Um, and that just meant that every time the checkpoint came around, you open the oh, door, yeah. you know, the guns were poked in lights and then you go in. Um, but when we went back to Sri Lanka in uh, after Bangladesh, that was when, I mean, I was obviously getting older so I could understand things a bit more. And that was when it was sort of crazy because we went to school in the city and there were a few days where um, we just didn't get picked up and we didn't have a mobile phones or anything like that. That was, you know, we, we, we didn't have the money for that sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. we would just be there for three to five hours and it would turn out that they had to block out sort of, you know, areas including where our school was because there was a bomb threat and there was a very real bomb threat mm-hmm. either suicide bombers or like it was just it was crazy and i yeah. and I, you know i didn't think it was back yeah. then uh. but then again it's everything's relative and i look at things now and i sort of go yeah that was that was intense like yeah. for my mom to sort of be waiting and not being allowed in to pick the pick her kids up all three of us went to the same school mm. uh, with a very real threat that you know the embassy two blocks down was was locked down and there was a very real credible threat that the the government had picked up on um and that was just just insane and um after that for my dad's work again we actually moved to the federated states of micronesia oh, wow. which have you heard of i've FSM? heard of it I've right heard of it. so Not it's much about though Right. And so America had a huge involvement and I think okay. America still, um, I mean, back, back when we lived there, we only lived there for about, I think it was 10 months. Wow. Um, we'd have to wait for a ship to come in with all the supplies. Like Jeez. it was, I mean, we had a Walmart, we had a Walmart, oh, wow. we had a, um, oh, the, the dollar shop, I think it was called. Oh man. Um, no, hot, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember, but you know, so, so it was just this funky little <laughs> island state in the middle of the pacific um, i remember flying from sri lanka um it took us almost two days of travel i think we had about four five connecting flights we flew through guam to go to the federated states of Micronesia. but you know the lesson that that taught me was i mean we went to the island and those people were so chill like <laughs> it was insane because yeah i mean you you were born there you grew you just, up there uh, um and you maybe moved to the US if you wanted, yeah. you know, if your parents had the money and you wanted a college education. Mm. But um, like the biggest school was run by volunteer uh, Seventh Day <laughs> Adventists from the US. Wow. And that was just how they ran. And it, it, it just gave me this experience of a life that was 
crazy. Like the president, <laughs> you'd go to Walmart and the president would be chewing um, betel nut um, out <laughs> the front and just like spitting in his little can and having a cigarette. And that'll be the president in like thongs and you know, just, just sort of in traditional sort of outfit, just hanging out like that was, so <laughs> that crazy. was again, a completely different experience. Like, wow. Because we'd gone from, I mean, Sri Lanka, I, which is relatively yeah. large one at the time. Yeah. And then Bangladesh, which is like insane level of um, first poverty, but also yeah. population density. Like, oh, wow. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dhaka, which is the capital, uh-huh. is still, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's sort of top three most dense <sighs> cities in the world. Um, Man. I mean, there are hundreds of millions of people in, in a very tiny space. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, then I experienced that. And then we went to the Federated States of Micronesia and experienced <laughs> the complete Just opposite like, of population yeah, density. Yeah. Like, I mean, we lived in apartment blocks and those are the biggest from memory in on the island. And that was, um, I think we had six different apartments in that block. Wow. That, that was the biggest. Wow. Um, just completely different. That you know? is and, crazy. And like you go every weekend, we'd go, um, we'd go to like a waterfall and just hang out. Um, the water was just pristine. Uh. Um, you'd, the, the way you'd buy fish is that you'd just go and they'd have um, huge, I don't know what you call them. We call them eskies, like cooler boxes. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Um, full of water and just live fish swimming in there, nice. just crowded. And yeah. you just go, I want that fish. And they just <laughs> take it out and kill it in front of you. Wow. Like, Here you go. That's so, awesome. like, we had insanely fresh like food, oh, like bet. fish. Um, fish was the main thing, actually, mm-hmm. because I think they grew beans on the island and they ate or they eat dog and cat. Oh, snap. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But, and, and I think that someone was raising pigs at the time, oh, yeah. but that, that was about all that wow. the island would supply and everything else would come in a ship. So like if there was a tropical storm, which happened oh, because yeah. of the Pacific, we'd have to sort of put up with just fish and maybe rice um, for a week or so because the shipment hasn't come in. You, you can't go to Man. Walmart. Walmart's got nothing to sell you. Um, and that was just, just another, I mean, I look back at that very, I mean, I look at all, it all very fondly, but the Federated of Micronesia to me was a very, very fond sort of um, yeah. time. And that's what I sort of envision um, life would be like if I didn't fall into, you know, the trap of business and, and that, that whole, whole thing, if I didn't fall so in love with it and have sort of this, this um, mission almost, I could see myself just living in the Federated of Micronesia for the rest of my life. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. Um, So like you, I mean, already (laughs) just through, through that, like your worldview is so vast compared to so many people which is crazy because yeah like you said it's we're all relative to what we know and we don't know what we don't know until we experience it and it's crazy mm-hmm. i mean wow i mean you yeah you, you it, it, it was it was crazy because all, all that happened um before i was before i was 10 actually um so <laughs> Yeah. Um, wow. And then we, we moved back to Sri Lanka for about um, a year or two and then we moved to Australia. Um, okay. Um, and that was for my dad's studies and, and we sort of settled down and I was in year six at the time and my parents were sort of going, you know, we've taken the kids to 
like I think I'd been to six different schools by that stage and they were like Jeez. this isn't good for their stability <laughs> upbringing you know yeah. like um we because because we didn't have like you know um a lot of our friends have best friends that they've known since um say kindergarten or yep. year one but yeah. we couldn't have that um like we had best friends from like what you call play group or mm. preschool um but they hadn't seen us for like oh, yeah. five, six years and they were different people. And then we moved to Australia anyway. So um, my parents decided to settle down because it was, dad had a, eventually got a good job and yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where we are now Man. Uh, in Canberra. That's crazy. What an awesome kind of story. Just the experiences, like again, the worldview that you've built already just from that and, so that brings you, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, impacted your, your decision to, to start Future Theory and Future Tribe. Tell us a little bit about uh, Future Theory. I know it's a marketing design company, and then we'll, we'll yeah. dive into more of the Future Tribe, which is uh, interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I, I sort of went into Future Theory um, almost unintentionally um <laughs> i had my first client when i was about 13 years old wow and um i we we still work with them in fact i've got to once we finish this call i've got to go invoice them for some work that we just recently did um and so i started at a very young age um but didn't actually officially sort of create the business uh till about 2013 that okay. was after i'd left school and i sort of decided okay let's i think my dad actually said oh there's this thing called an australian business number Mm. And if you get one, um, it costs like $80, then you're like an actual business. Yep. And I was like, well, I, I, I don't know. Like that's, that's a bit <laughs> crazy, but okay. And that's sort of what I did. It's just like, a, I was, I mean, growing up, my parents, um, my dad, I could see was entrepreneurial, but mm. never really into business. Um, gotcha. I know, like, I, I remember my, um, my godfather, for example, he's very, into business and a very successful businessman. But I still remember that, you know, him calling my dad or pulling my dad aside for advice. And I used to think that's really weird. Huh. Like, you know, you're yeah. a successful businessman. My dad's like, just that's like, awesome, a, though. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I think it was just more now that I think of it, my parents had a very, a, a very, um, I guess uncertain upbringing, you know, there was, there were questions around like, I'm, I know my parents, like my dad had to like um, hide one of his friends because um, the opposition like political party was looking for them to kill them and um, like just stuff like that, you know? So for them, I think the ultimate goal in life was to have stability and to just, and, and you know, what do we all think of when it comes to stability? It's just having yeah. a job, right? It's not, it's not starting a business. Yeah. I mean, being in business, I know that that's not, that's not stability. That's, that's right. roller coaster every yeah. day. Um, so um, that's where they come from. And that comes from, um, you know, that, that just, that they were entrepreneurial, but they were never, they never pushed us to do, you know, business. Um, but I just sort of realized that I needed to, I almost needed to just do things on my own timeline. Um, mm. Not in a way of being slow, but in, a, in quite the opposite. Um, yeah. I mean, before I got, before I really got into the business, I worked um, a few marketing manage, manager sort of roles. And um, the real eye opener for me was when um, 
my boss at the time sort of said, yep, that sounds good. Let's try and aim to do that over the next five years. And I was sort of going next five years, like that is, it should be the next five weeks. And, you know, and there's limits to, obviously I've tried to sort of communicate that, but you know, this guy was just, he was sort of, this is his last shop before he retires, you know? So he was just happy to make it wait. And I'm sort of this young, hungry, I just want to get stuff done sort of guy. Um, And I realized, you know, unless I started my own thing, I can't, I can't make my own calls. And, and I just needed to do that. So um, that's how I ended up sort of starting the business and a big thing. Like it, it, it annoys me a little bit now because um, everyone now has a digital agency. I feel like everyone's oh, starting a marketing business. Yeah. Like you say, I'm in marketing. They're like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Like everyone else, you know, social media marketing, this <laughs> right. and that. But um, I, I didn't do it because of that. Like I don't, I, don't, I don't really do it for the money either. Like, I mean, mm. the money is obviously essential, like we've discussed earlier mm-hmm. on about the importance of money in business right. and so on and so forth but I don't do it for the money. Um, I do it for, and this is why Future Tribe started, um, and I haven't been able to focus enough time on it yet, but it's about trying to, first of all, you know, you mentioned optimistic go-getters. Mm. The, the reason we came up with that wording is because mindset is, I mean, it's, it's everything, right? Absolutely, um, yeah. And I think at any given point, I mean, again, I've been fortunate because, my because everything's relative and my bar for how bad things can get is quite bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anything above that is good i've been yeah. always optimistic like yeah. like there's just no you can't get much worse so right um so i i love having that sort of optimistic mindset and i'm a realist as well don't get me wrong yeah. i'm not like you know oh everything's going to be fine when the world sort of catching on fire around me, but um, I, I just, I love sort of optimism and also taking ownership over things. Um, mm. And that doesn't, and then that also just means, you know, being able to place ownership in things when they happen. Like if you have a friend who say does something really bad against you, like you just let that activity sort of take its own ownership don't sort of uh, a lot of people go oh, what did I ever do to them like and you would sort of harp on about it but what I think you've got to do is just sort of go that's 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 just what they chose to do um mm. your impact on that I mean you've got to be realistic look at it and if you had an actual impact on it then it's on you but yeah if you if you didn't do anything you've sort of don't don't sort of let those things fester and mm. um the same thing happens in business. You know, if a client doesn't like what you've come up with, like we work in a creative field. Yeah. Um, someone cannot like something just because it's a slightly different shade of the blue that they were thinking of. Mm-hmm. It's nothing personal, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I guess the idea around that is around future tribe and what I've always tried to encourage with future theory is just supporting people who are f- very optimistic um, who look towards the future as a positive place um, and who are willing to work towards that um, mm. because there's this phenomenon um, that, what is it? When you think, I think the saying is when you, like all, all the theory is that when you think short term, the brain, brain's very good at thinking um, of things sort of short term as very doable, but then long term mm. as sort of, 
um, not very long almost. So you sort of look at big projects and go 12 months, like that's a long time, but then it's not very long. And then yeah. look at short term and go, yes, I can do it. Like it's the brain's funny with playing tricks. And um, I just wanted to, I just want to create this, I guess, environment where, and, and we do that through a podcast and, mm. you know, once we get enough of volume there, we'll do, we'll set up a forum or something like that. But the idea is that people who are always like, no man, like that's good. Like, okay, what, what can you learn from those mistakes? Let's, yep. let's move on from that. Let's, let's, okay. Ha, you know, okay. That, that event failed, but let's take a lesson or yeah. let's just, let's just kill it off. Like maybe, maybe, you yeah. know, um, an event on why hand sanitizer as hand sanitizers are bad during COVID nineteen was never going to take off when it was when it was going to be an in person event. Like yeah. maybe maybe that was a bad idea, and let's just yeah. axe it. So yeah. that's I want to I want to just encourage that. I guess, mm-hmm. um, and ultimately it comes down to um, like I don't I look at my story, and I'm very fortunate to have sort of being formed that way. Um, actually something I forgot to mention, something that I, we, I would have mentioned to you earlier was, um, also, I mean, I grew up quite strongly Catholic mm-hmm. and, um, it, what happened, I think it was about 2014. I sort of realized that, um, I'd been very Catholic, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, um, I'd, I'd be very involved in a mass and so on and so forth. And, um, and I used to do youth ministry and like hmm. it was, I was very involved, like praying yeah. twice a day, at least my dad still prays twice a day. He actually almost became a priest. He was studying to oh, be wow. a priest um, when he left the priesthood because of, because he needed to go help his family out hmm. and never return. So, you know, have that huge history. But what I also came to a realization was that I was using, and I don't mean this to offend anyone, but hmm. I was sort of using religion as as like a place to offload as, as a place mm. to place, place blame, you know, like, mm, okay. and, and, and you, and you see it like, you know, someone dies in a car crash and you go, Oh God, like, why did you, mm. why did you do that? Like he was so young. He didn't deserve that. Or, uh, you know, not realizing that he shouldn't have been drunk, for example, like maybe that, maybe that, that right. had to do with him driving into a light pole. Like th- 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 there was, there's this, layers in some people that sort of use it as a, as a way to offload things. And Mm. I I just sort of realized thing is, you know, I look at people again, like Bill Gates or Mm -hmm. um, just amazing musicians or Mm. amazing business people. And you sort of go like the people who like, or the invention and, you know, the people who brought the internal combustion engine to where it is today, Mm. the people who brought flight to where it is today, like it is insane. I mean, there's this huge like structure that we trust that (laughs) takes off, flies through the air and lands at insane speeds and very rarely do people die. And I'm like, Mm. what I realized was the, like the power of, the human mind and what humans are capable of. Like the way I see it is people like, again, like Bill Gates, for example, I could just keep using that because he's a good, he's just an easy yeah. example, but yeah. you know, you look at what he's, he's able to do. And the way I see it, if a, if a person was able to do it, then I'm able to do it as well. Um, because yes, they've got, they've got gifts that, you know, I may not have and so on and so forth. But, but ultimately there's a level of hard work and just 
tenacity and just go-getting that yeah. that makes up for that. Mm. Um, like, you know, the movie uh, or all the Rockies are really about that, right? Yeah. Okay. You don't have the skill, but if you work hard enough, yeah, you'll get it. Um, and, and yeah, so back in 2014, I sort of came to that realization. I was traveling with a friend through through Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Um, mm-hmm. And I just came through that, to that realization and just, it sort of just flicked the switch in me, sort of go, it's almost like I, I do think I'm the controller of my own destiny. Like there are things that are out of my control, yes, mm-hmm. but there's so much that's within your control that you can, uh, even, even as small as how you react to something that happens to you. Like, you know, what is it? 90% of what happens to you is how you react to it. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think we control our reactions for sure and things of like that. I think and I and from my perspective I, and I love this. I love having conversations like this and so I, I'm uh, I believe in Jesus and everything and um and I think it's crazy how like God's the ultimate creator created all this beautiful things but we're in his image. And so we're we're made to create and, and to do crazy things like uh, an airplane and like sometimes like ourselves we hinder our own abilities that we've been given mm-hmm. to be able to do things it's like i love the example of the four minute mile david banister um no one ever thought they could break the four minute mile and he trained and trained and trained and finally broke it and then it was a short time after everyone else was breaking it it was yeah. like nothing and it was just someone finally real like i know this is possible like we are so much greater like we have so much more potential if we mm-hmm. just believe it and believe that we are created to do that. So I, I love, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is in the mind, like you said, and how we can sometimes hinder our own growth, really. Oh, I mean, you, even if you look at technology, like mm-hmm. video streaming at one time, like Skype was the thing, right? Everyone was <laughs> right. like, wow, yeah. Skype is mind-blowing. But how many competitors exist now who do essentially the same thing? At, yep. at, at one point, it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, if you said, I have a video chatting sort of software or con- conferencing yeah. software, people are like, cool join the list of hundreds of others yeah um and and that's that's you know that's not just human potential but the potential of the brain and potential of technology and what we can explore um and we're just very quick to shut it down like oh no yeah i couldn't do that like i didn't you know oh but you know bill gates had a dad who lent him ten thousand whatever it is like but i don't have a dad yeah (laughs) Yeah. yeah. he was lucky that that you know they don't see the hard work yeah you know, oh, he met that person because he'd met 10,000 other people yeah. on his journey to find the right person yeah. or the right person. Yeah, you contact, don't know the, you know the work they put in. And, and I, now I can't remember, and it might have been Bill Gates that said, and I, can't, I could be wrong, but he said, I, I, I talked to 1,200 people, 500 people gave me the time of day, 300 people were on board, 100 people um, backed me, and then 11 were all in, and it's what created, or 11 created me, or... 11 got me to be a billionaire or something like that. Like right, all exactly. those people. Yeah. And so the, no one sees and you got to put in that work. Yeah. And I love and, how and, you and, said about the future tribe, how like you're basically encouraging like the pivoting of things. Like someone has this idea and so they see it, they see the vision and then what, well, maybe it's not so, so well planned out or maybe it's kind of the, just off a tad. So like pivot that path towards your mm-hmm. final goal. The goal stays the same, just the process getting there. Um, and encouraging them. I think that's great. I, I love that. And, and and pivoting and, you know, killing things quickly isn't, mm. isn't like people take it as like a hit on their ego. Like, oh, you know, that means that that idea didn't succeed. That's not what it's about. Like, <sighs> it's not about succeeding. 
it's about chasing after, you know, creating something and chasing yeah. after this this goal that is very evasive. Yeah. But but it's and you don't really know what it will be until you do it and yeah. and, and get to it. Like and, and 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 you know another thing that I sort of hate like. You you guys love the Kardashians in the US. Oh, Everyone not, all the us, not, all, right? not all of us. <laughs> <laughs> not, not all of us. Not all of us. But you know the Kardashians. Yeah. No. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. I mean, people talk smack about them all the time. Yeah. And you know, oh, you know, their dad was a famous lawyer or whatever. <laughs> uh, but my whole thing is like, if I was to give you, okay, let's say I gave you a million bucks, mm. right? If you look at the statistics, like people who win a million bucks in lotteries and things like that. Fairly sure they would go broke pretty quickly. Same with same yep. with even um, sports like athletes. Yep. Um, once they retire, they often just really just hit rock bottom. Yeah. My whole thing with that is, you know, if you, if you don't think that it took work to get to where they are, like it's not just a video that made them famous. Like yeah. that, that's it's very simple to boil it down and sort of go, oh, I, if right. I could do yeah. that, like if I could make a video and make get yeah. rich, then then I would do it too. Well. I bet you if you make a video, no one's going to care. So obviously it wasn't the video (laughs) or or, or it wasn't sort of what it came down to. It's just, you've got to, I don't know, to me, it's just a way of offloading and sort of going, Mm. oh, you know, if I had it, I would have done it as well, but I don't, so I won't. So I'll just continue to I kind of look at it as like, and and I'm a a nerd, so it's okay, but Captain America. (laughs) So the story, uh, at least the movie, if you're watching, um, they talk about the human growth serum or whatever to make him great, but Red Skull did the same thing, but it enhances what the person already is. So Captain America was a good man and increased that, uh, whereas Red Skull, he was not good. His intentions were bad, and it made him worse. And mm-hmm. so people who uh, who win the million dollars and then go back to being broke, they had the habits of 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 that that mindset, that mm-hmm. poor scarcity mindset. And so they just went and blew it instead of a growth mindset. So yeah, I think it kind of plays into that that idea. Yeah, d- definitely. Like it, it, it it's sort of um, really important to look at what you do and why you do it, and mm-hmm. sort of understand that as well. I think a lot of people just do things, and it, it's a pet peeve of mine. It's sort of ironic because working marketing. Most of advertising and marketing's role is to convince people of things that they don't need to, you know, and to spend money. But right. like the way I see it, you've got to almost question every activity. Like, you know, why am I lusting after this new phone? Mm. Why am I buying this new car? Why am I eating this meal? Like, I am a very simple guy. Like, mm-hmm. I love my McDonald's. I love my KFC. Uh-oh. And it <laughs> really annoys people because they're like, that's not food. Like, they're like, you know, that's not a dinner. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Just because you spent a hundred bucks, you know, for two rolls of sushi doesn't make that more of a dinner than my $10 burger. Like, what? <laughs> like, you've got to sort of, I think, look at those things as well and sort of realize that, okay, I'm actually spending a hundred bucks for the sushi because I want to take photos for Instagram mm, and, you know, tag point. the location. Yeah. yeah. Like, really? Yeah, the underlying uh, reason, yeah. Yeah, and and like be very introspective and look at look at why you know look at why am I getting angry? Why am I getting mm. jealous? Yeah. Um, and and then you know really understand that and really understand yourself and what you end up doing. I think is instead of having this very sort of up and down sort of yeah. journey, it ends up being very very stable because 
you understand why you're reacting and then you can address that reaction um, and then you can communicate that as well, which again, yeah. communication, like that's super crucial. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think that's where a lot, so much problem starts with ourselves. And if we can, if we can kind of step back enough to see, like we do have issues, we're not perfect because we aren't. <laughs> and so if we can step back and see, Oh man, okay. Well I do, I say it in that way a lot or, Oh, I, I, I do kind of waste some time there where I could be doing something else. Like if we can internalize like what's going on and see how we can, can grow and change in a positive way, I think it really could change uh, the circles we have influence on a lot. De- de- definitely. And like, you know, I, I, for example, don't get the people who love to sleep like 10, 12 hours, like, because for me, that's not what I'm trying to do. Like right. it's, it's important to have that goal. Like, um, and, and people who say that, you know, Oh, I can never come up with an idea like that. Like, that's not true. You, you can, you can, you just need to put like work. You know, yeah. I look at, I look at like some of the websites we build, like when, when I'm really hitting like creative block and no one else has good ideas, I look at it and I sort of go, wow, that took 30 hours to come up with a decent concept. But without those 30 hours, we would have never come up with that concept. So, okay, Jermaine, you had to put in, like you had to go through that journey of making the wrong decisions to end up at the right decision. And the same, and and I wouldn't have done that if I was sleeping that, you know, an extra four hours a day. Time is a very finite resource and you just got to sort of embrace that and make the best out of it. Um, Yeah. Because you genuinely like you don't know when when things are gonna end for you, right? Um, and I just want to like my my goal is to just live in a way that like create happiness every day, even no matter how big or small it is, um, in myself or with myself and with other people, um, and then just live a life where if it ends today, okay, that 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 was that was good, you know. It wasn't like yeah. oh he had so much potential or <laughs> oh. He was he was saving up to do something so great that he could have done if he just cut back on you know the hundred dollar dinners instead. Like yeah, right. You can you can make things happen. Give it you know as long as you look at the right things and and you know address those things the right way. Um, and people don't get that. I don't think. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, I agree. And I, I you kind of tie into it. So I, I try to at the end of the shows ask a couple questions. Uh, based on pencil leadership and the traits. Um, and so I would love to hear, and you might've already answered it, but here you kind of say it, it, if you, if your time with, on earth was done and um, everything you did was here, what would you want your positive mark on the world to be? What would your positive mark that people see be? The, the way I, what I try and do through the business and the businesses is create as much of a positive impact as, and that that ends up generally being through um, either consulting and sort of helping change a mindset or creating something um, that allows people to then go and do even more to do good. Mm. Um, Like I see every, every business really should be creating value. And my role within that is to create value for that business so they can go create more value. So my positive mark is just that mindset of, I just want to give, give, give. I want to help, help, help. Mm. Um, Because like, I, I say this to everyone, like if I, if I'm on my deathbed 
and I've been working hard towards something and I look back, I want that to be that I've helped as many people help as many people because that network effect, like if you look at exponential growth, yeah, it's insane. You know, when one person, if it, even if it's a one to two, then that two equals four. And once you do that, yep. it's, it's not a lot of sort of degrees before you sort of cover Blow an, up. Yeah. An insane amount of people. Yeah. And that's how I sort of see my role is like, if I can change one person's mindset from, you know, oh, it's COVID, it's the world, everyone's dying, it's doom and gloom to let me just, I don't know, set up a Shopify and see what I can do. Mm-hmm. That That is a win for me. And that that's that's what I want my positive mark to be. Like, that's I awesome. know, ideally, it, it would be something very specific. Like, yeah. you know, I want there to be um, all, all the blind people to <laughs> receive the care that they need. But... I like it. No, that's good. I like it going a bit more general. So yeah, no, I like it. I think that's a good goal. I mean, kind of got ties in the mind of wanting to impact a million lives in a positive way. And, and so, no, I, I think that's an awesome to just give as much as you can and help as much as you can. Cause that, that word of mouth marketing effect uh, really just takes off. So Jermaine, again, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. Loved your story. Loved your worldview. Loved just what you're doing with Future Theory and Future Tribe. Um, how can people connect with you if they want to get involved or, or want to reach out? Yeah, sure. Um, if you go to futuretheory.com.au um, and just shoot an email there, it'll end up in my inbox eventually. Um, or if you find me on um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Just reach out to me. I, I genuinely love having conversations with yeah. people. I'm not always the best at sort of replying quickly all the time just because um, there are there are just things in my life that take up time. But, yeah. um, you know, if you have ideas, if you just want to have a chat, um, I, 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 I just just want to create positivity i think uh, ultimately um even more than an impact it's just positivity and that optimism and that sort of idea that 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 sort of abundance sort of mindset so um yeah um thanks so much for having me chris it's it's been it's been awesome it's been really interesting cool well thank you again yeah guys check them out connect with them um and just yeah keep spreading that positivity all right see you guys awesome thanks guys Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed it, share this with someone else and make a positive impact on their life. Also, head on over and leave a five-star rating if you liked anything you heard today. And let me know what you think so I can make this show better for you in the future. And go ahead and connect with me on Instagram at chris.t.anderson. Love to hear from you. Now let's go out and make a difference as pencil leaders.